All right, guys, welcome to the show. Uh, today on the show, uh, this will actually be, I believe it's going to be my, I think it's going to be my 40th episode at this point. I actually have Ramsey Taplin of blogtyrant.com. He's on the show today to uh, kind of share his story, and we're going to talk a lot about guest blogging. So welcome to the show, Ramsey. Thanks for having me, John. Good to be here. Yeah, no problem. Glad uh, I can finally get you after I know you've been traveling for some time and yeah, I should apologize in advance for all the uh, jet lag mistakes that I make in this interview. I'm pretty tired still, but it's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So do you kind of want to like share with folks, you know, people that aren't familiar with Blog Tyrant, you know, how you got started online blogging? I know this isn't your first blog. Yeah, so I I, I think it started way back in high school. Um, I was really into fitness and martial arts and things like that, and I started a little website sort of talking about my own ideas with Know, all those kind of topics and it all sort of uh, I reckon I was probably 17 and I made a, a, a fitness kind of ebook deal and I remember selling selling that ebook to a guy from Holland for $65 and uh, that was when I sort of realized I could you know, maybe make some money online or it was something that I was quite interested in and that sort of sparked off the, the whole online blogging uh, adventure for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so basically, you started out by selling a a product that you were able to market on the internet, and that's really where you got onto this whole blogging thing. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a terrible, terrible setup. Um, I remember I caught the bus down to Chinatown in the city to collect the money by uh, Western Union money transfer because I had yeah. no idea about payment gateways or anything like that. But yeah, it really kind of sparked the buzz for me, and that was quite quite interesting and. I, I, then it sort of went to the next level for me in, in uni, um, which was when I started another fitness blog, which I ended up selling, um, which sort of, that was when I decided to take it a little bit more seriously. Right. Now, I know, um, you know, I wanted to ask about this. I know reading, um, you know, reading some of your articles, you talked about kind of um, being anonymous originally when you started some of those blogs, and that gave you the ability to turn around and sell it and not, ha you know, put so much of a name into the into the brand. Um you know, do you want to talk a little bit about that and kind of like that strategy or maybe how you've, you know, how that's maybe changed for you with the with Blog Tyrant? Yeah, sure. I mean, so one of the first blogs I had was a fitness blog and I started this blog specifically because I thought it was a good niche to try and make a little bit of money in. I was in uni. I used to rock up to uni every day and wait to go to the lectures and then get so bored in the lectures I'd just go to the computer rooms and start blogging and that, that was sort of... That, that blog was anonymous and that way I could write content myself but also get other people to write content for it. And I ended up selling that one for about $20,000. And then I thought, well, that's, you know, that'd be cool if I could do four or five of them every year, um, which was sort of an ambition I had. But with Blog Tyrant, the idea initially was when I, when I registered that name, blogtyrant.com, I wanted to have like a blogging marketplace where you know you could buy and sell articles and links and blogs themselves and do a, you know all the internet marketing that goes around blogging. I wanted to have that uh, like a complete package for, for bloggers but I wanted to populate it with content first to start getting some Google rankings for and I wrote this article how I sold a blog $20,000 in eight months and it went on the front page of Dig and Delicious and uh, brought me a huge amount of traffic in the first week, uh, and that's sort of how Blog Tyrant started. It was a lot of uh, coincidences and accidents, uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I was anonymous there for the first two years um, because you know it wasn't so much about selling it because I sort of fell in love with that blog really quickly, and the readers—they're all—it's such a tight-knit community there. I don't think I could ever sell it, but 
um, the the, uh, the the anonymous aspect was sort of more uh, was a little bit of an experiment in a way because when we did finally do the reveal on viperchill.com, it was uh, yeah. a great opening uh, for I guess the next phase of that website. Yeah, no, I remember reading about that, and that and that's pretty interesting how you kind of like you know revealed your identity through a, what was it a guest blog through Viperchill. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, in Bali with my fiance on a holiday, and I just proposed to her actually. So it was like a time of great change. But um, nice. yeah, Glenn from Viperchill, uh, I sent him an email about something, and he he wrote back and said, "Reply to my other email, dude." And I wasn't sure what he was talking about, and I ended up finding it in my spam folder or somewhere. But he'd asked me if I wanted to do some articles on Viperchill, but. Uh, one of the things we discussed was he didn't really want to do that if I was anonymous. So we decided to do a big, uh, you know, reveal post there as my first post on Viper Chill. Sort of like uh, there's an amazing blogger called James Chartrand, and she used to write for Copy Blogger as a male. And she said that she got, you know, uh, better rates and better pay as a male. And so she had this sort of pen name, James Chartrand. And she did an incredible article called uh, I think it's called Why James Chartrand Wears Women's Underpants on Copyblogger, which was her sort of reveal equivalent. Uh, it was massive. It was enormous at the time because she was a really big writer. So we wanted to do something similar to that, and it, it went well. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that uh, I like that, uh, that example you just gave. That's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, do, do you kind of want to dig into, um, you know, I, I know I wanted to make, the, like, the main focus of the interview mostly on guest blogging, and I know that's a strategy that you've had a lot of success with and, uh, you know, building relationships with some of these bloggers. Um, obviously, I've got, you know, I sent you this kind of, like, laundry list of, of stuff to, that we could talk about. Um, you know, do you kind of want to talk, you know, I, I figure I'll just kind of go through this, like, as I wrote it and we can uh, knock off one thing after another. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It'll look great. Let's do it. Yeah, so the first thing, you know, I brought up this, uh, obviously we might kind of bounce around a little bit. I, I didn't structure this probably the best that I might have been able to, but um, the first question was coming up with content ideas. You know, I've written myself, I'll just give a perspective, is I've done, I haven't done a ton of guest blogs. I've done maybe about four of them now. Three of them are published and one soon to be published on uh, another blog. But um, it, my thing was always coming up with ideas and like being able to fit the readers of, you know, fit the audience of these other blogs. Um, you know, are there ways that you kind of come up with brainstorming tools you might use or any resources for that? Um, probably not so much resources and tools, but I do sort of have a little process that I kind of follow and has evolved for me over the years. Um, I, I sort of start at the end result, and this is something I talk about on my blog and in the Subscriber Special Ops course, which I guess we'll get to later, but I sort of start with the end result, you know, so what outcome do I want to get from this guest post? Do I want, you know, long-term rankings on Google for a particular set of keywords, or do I want to drive traffic to a page on my blog that is then selling an affiliate or some other product or um, perhaps promoting my mailing list? So. I sort of figure out where I want the readers to go at the end of the guest posting kind of funnel. And then what I'll do is I'll go out and look for blogs um, or websites that have traffic that I think will match it or, you know, an active group of readers or um, perhaps they rank for a particular uh, set of keywords on Google that I would like to rank for myself. So it really depends on what your outcome is for those, those particular guest posts as to where I look. And then once I find them, you know, you can start building relationships with those bloggers if you haven't already so that you have a bit of an in uh, as a way to pitch the guest post in the future. But for me, it's all about 
um, I guess starting with my blog and what I want readers to do when they visit my blog and then sort of work backwards from there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So um, I guess the next question I had was, uh, you know, in terms of like length for a lot of these posts, do you find that you're, um, you know, really going after like what it is the the owner of the blog would, would kind of look for based on like their, you know, criteria? I know like some of them, they'll say, oh, well, we require a minimum of, you know, a thousand words or whatever the case, but is there like a typical length you might go after when writing guest guest posts? Yeah, I guess for me, um, for, you know, the guest posts that I do for Blog Tyrant, they've all been really long except for one on uh, Men With Pens. But uh, the first guest post I think I did for Blog Tyrant was on ProBlogger, and it was a post called um, How to Make Your Blog Addictive Like World of Warcraft. And that was a, like a really big one. It was like four or 5,000 words, lots of pictures and graphics and, you know, the list kind of set up. And I found that they always work really well. They get shared more. Um, those longer posts generally have a, a better uptake on, on social networks, Google Plus and Twitter and whatnot. So for me, it's always been about a combination of length and value without completely exhausting the topic. So that's something I try to talk about a little bit with my readers is like you want to pick an evergreen topic that's sort of focused on beginners, give it that original kind of twist, but you want to write about it really extensively to the point where people think this is an incredibly valuable topic, but not so extensively that there's nothing left to talk about because people will, you know, comment and share share the post and you want them to do that. So. Uh, Neil Patel from Quicksprout, he he did a test with his his stuff a while ago, I think on Kissmetrics and his blog Quicksprout, where he tested long posts versus short posts in both the blogging format and the sales page format. And in I think every example that he tested, the long post uh, was a better option uh, in terms of conversions and stats. So yeah, I try to keep it you know, not long for the sake of it being long, but there is something to be said for, you know, really long detailed posts, especially in like a guest posting kind of scenario. Yeah, and I know that, um, you know, I've heard like a lot of people, um, you know, in particular, I know I linked you over to an interview I did with Steve Cam, and he talked about yeah. how he used to blog every single day and he would just kind of crank out posts, but now he, you know, focuses more on like creating that epic content. Yeah, absolutely. He's a perfect example. Like some of his posts just do incredibly well socially, but then also Google just absolutely loves them. He's got one that I wrote a Vipertil post about, um, which is about the Paleolithic diet, um, yeah. which is huge. I think he ranks above the Paleo website. He's next to the Wikipedia page, and it brings in four or 5,000 unique visitors a day, which he then built a product around, and that is just a huge, exhaustive post that I think everybody who reads it shares it or at least you know dives really deep into it. So, yeah, it works well for him, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because he put the time and effort into creating, like, an actual, like, awesome article about that topic. Absolutely, yeah, it's huge. All of his stuff is, I mean, he's, he's a great example of someone who does that kind of epic content, uh, the long-form the long content really well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. But um, so I guess moving on, um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about backlinking strategy, and I know, you know, you kind of talk about this a little bit in your course, and um, I don't know how much you want to reveal, but just the idea of sort of like, you know, interlinking some of the guest guest posts between one another. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, backlinking is, is so important for bloggers and it's something that's, I think, like eternally frustrating because it's changing so much and Google is constantly changing their algorithm. So I guess I always preface this section by uh, just sort of advising people that if they've got a blog that they you know, really love perhaps, you know, people sometimes call them a premium blog or a money blog. 
it's their main blog, you know, their baby. You don't want to be too aggressive with any linking strategy that you, you do. You want it to be really natural. And you see uh, companies like SEO Moz, which is now called Moz, um, yeah. and Rand Fishkin from Moz, always talking about the fact that it's less about backlinking and that kind of manipulation uh, than it is now about creating great content um, and, and making sure that people link to it naturally. But that being said, you know, there are some things you want to do to make sure you give yourself um, sort of the best po possible opportunity to rank on for those uh, money blogs. And like you hinted at, so with a guest post, uh, like we were talking about before, if I have a particular, uh, say, key phrase that I want to rank for, I'll make sure I find a blog that uh, already ranks well for that particular key phrase or something thereabouts. And the links that I put in that blog post will you know, sometimes be the anchor text of the keywords that I want to rank for, but you also don't want to push that too hard because, you know, say if you wanted to rank for, um, what am I looking at here, uh, USB microphones, if you just put USB microphones as the link too many times, uh, Google can sort of tell that it's a manipulation and you want it to be uh, a natural backlink profile so you don't want too many of the same thing. So it's good to mix it up. But at the same time, I do think that Google is still... Uh, ranking backlinks and looking at anchor text really heavily. Guys like um, Glenn from Viperchill, his course, he's showing that really quite definitively, I think, that they're still yeah. ranking sites really well um, by having those kind of uh, uh, you know, really rich anchor text backlinks. But it's sort of up to the reader to test how well it works for them. And the main thing, I think, is also if the content's good enough and ranks well enough, it doesn't matter if it's ranking your post or your guest post that you've done because that guest post should ideally, ideally funnel people back to your website anyway. So having uh, yourself appear on a different blog is, is totally fine. Right. So in terms of um, like the actual strategy you might go into for backlinking, obviously, you know, it's important to have varied anchor text is what you're saying, uh, you know, as opposed to just, you know, spamming something like three times in an article about, you know, USB microphones, if that's what you're trying to get. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, like what are, you know, like what were, you know, in terms of, um, you know, I, I don't want to dig into too much of the basics for people who might already know SEO. You know, a lot of this is very widely out there, but obviously I would assume you, you kind of focus on the on-page elements, but um, are there anything else like you might do, like say you get one of these guest posts out there on a, on a blog, do you go after any like particular strategies for backlinking to that or do you kind of let things happen naturally? Yeah, there's a couple of ways I think you can sort of emphasize that naturalness of the post. That sounds a little bit weird, but one of the things that I do that I've heard Derek Halpern from Social Triggers talk about a little bit is um, really promoting the post once you've got it out there. So let's say you create you know, a fantastic long-form article on your blog about USB microphones, and it's the ultimate guide to choosing a USB microphone. Now, in that in that post, you might have links to your affiliate products, which are different microphones that you've reviewed, which you then make a commission when somebody buys one from your link. So what you then do is you go out and create guest posts around um, that particular topic, and those guest posts will funnel people back to that outcome. Now, with every post that you do um, on your blog, on other people's blogs, you can then do things like buy advertising uh, to promote it. So if you've got you know, even just 30 or $40 to throw at some advertising on stumble upon paid discovery or Facebook ads or a great one I've been using lately is called blog ads, which puts um, an ad on other blogs in the niche. And so what you're doing is you're driving traffic to those guest posts and to that um, original long form post on your blog. 
And what that does is that sort of it speeds up the discovery process because a lot of SEO is um, just getting your stuff discovered by people who are in um, who, who who have you know authoritative websites or authoritative social accounts. So if you can you know throw some advertising and get an extra couple of thousand visitors to your website, there's a greater chance that uh, you'll be discovered. So you can do things like that that are that are offsite. But when it comes to the onsite linking. You know, I guess it depends on how risky you want to be, but if you if you want to take a few risks, then you do. You use a rich sort of anchor text, USB microphones or some equivalent that you want to rank for in Google. Um, you do things like uh, a lot of people say that it's better to have the link towards the top of the page. That's where there's more SEO value, more people click through. But for me, that, that stuff's a sort of secondary to making sure you're reaching as many people as possible, I think. The reach is much more an important thing to consider when you're trying to have a successful blog. It's all about reaching as many people as possible. And so that doesn't really matter if you do that through organic SEO rankings or advertising, as long as you can sort of get the ball rolling and as long as your content is good enough that when people encounter it, they do something with it. Right, right. Makes sense. Yeah, no, and I think that's great advice. I like the fact that, you know, you even mentioned that, um, you know, putting a little bit of money, even, you know, maybe 20 to $40 into promoting a post. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't even think to do something like that with a, with a guest post. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, you have to talk to the owner of the blog about that first. They might not feel, you know, they might have different feelings about whether that's okay or not. But, yeah. you know, I was, I was helping a friend who's got a new... Um, a mobile app uh, business going. We're doing some Facebook ads the other week, and it's crazy the amount you can spend and and the the conversions that he got for such a small spend. And you know every other business in the world, you know pizza shops and everything else you find in the phone book, all of those businesses advertise, and bloggers never seem to advertise. But you know especially with things like YouTube and Pinterest and Facebook, uh, even Google AdWords is good. It's a little bit more complicated, but you know, for such a small spend, you can get such amazing results as long as you're driving to a really quality kind of landing page. Right. Yeah, I know. I actually, um, I took, I, I, I bought a course. It was very cheap. It was like $15 on uh, how to use the new uh, Facebook sponsored ads, which is like oh, yeah. you know, newsfeed ads versus like the blocks that you see on the right side. And people are appearing to get some pretty, you know, really positive results. You know, you can get clicks for maybe as mere pennies. You know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this guy had a, I think we started with a spend of $300 or something like that. And he had thousands and thousands of clicks and conversions that were, you know, it was around 10% in the end. So it, it's, really it's a phenomenal way to try it, uh, to get get new visitors, especially if you don't want to have the risks associated with sort of more aggressive SEO, I think anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll put links to that other one you mentioned to, uh, you know, was it blogads.com, did you say? Yeah, absolutely. They've been really good. Uh, you you need to create an ad for that, so it's um, not text text based. It's uh, graphics. But if you have a really good ad, and that's another great thing. Is it's really fun to test and split test which ads get the most click throughs and then which ones convert the best. But if you know if you find a find a really high traffic blog in a in a good niche and you have a really kind of um, eye catching ad, you can get thousands of visitors for such a small spend. It's yeah, a really good thing to check out. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that, and you know, I'll probably link that in the notes as well, so people can look at that and determine if that's something they might want to use for their own business. Or absolutely, blog. absolutely. So uh, something else I thought maybe we could touch on, upon a little bit more, and you already you know briefly mentioned it was you know in this example, obviously we're using um, you know a USB uh, what was it a USB microphone is what you, is that what you said? That's right. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> 
so I figured, you know, if if you were to, like, you know, if that's what we're going after, we're you know, we're trying to, you know, sell USB microphones, you know, maybe we've optimized it through Amazon affiliates or something like that. Yeah, um, sure. You know, like what are what are some you know tips you might have for um you know kind of throwing in those those you know those money items, those products, or you know maybe a service or whatever it may be that people are trying to buy. Like I know obviously with a lot of things like with email and, you know, subscribers, you, you know, you want to make sure you're using opt-in forms and things like that. So you're capturing leads, but do you have any strategy behind, you know, actually like product placement or anything that would actually earn you an affiliate sale? Yeah. So I guess if, you, if you're looking at something like a USB microphone, I've always found the thing that converts the best is these kind of, you know, we're talking about long form articles. So these long form articles that, mention the product but aren't specifically about the product. There, there is obvious exceptions to that, you know, like something that converts really well is um, uh, on Google anyway for organic search traffic is reviews. So, you know, like best microphone review or you know, review of this particular brand. If you can rank, um, you know, number one for um, the most popular USB microphone brand and then have a review post, that's obviously going to make a lot of money. Um, but if you look at someone like we were talking before, Steve Cam, he's got that article, um, which I think is like the ultimate guide to the paleo diet. Mm -hmm. And so he ranks at, the, at number one or number two for that. People click uh, through to that link. And then down the bottom of that article, there's a ad for his app that he developed, which is an app about whether foods are paleo. I think it's called Is It Paleo? So, um, you know, people download that app. It costs them a dollar or something. But... He sells a phenomenal amount of um, of those products through that post, and then that product, because it's his own, uh, you know, increases his own brand. So these kind of posts where you're discussing uh, a topic that is a, that is about the affiliate, but not necessarily uh, just centered on the affiliate product, can be really good. But it's also a really good idea to look at, you know, like you mentioned, the email marketing. So if you've grown a mailing list, you can then promote. Um, related topics to that mailing list in emails or with other posts that you write. There really is like a huge uh, variety of methods that you can promote affiliate products. But, you know, the most important thing I think is to split test. If bloggers are trying something and it's not working, then try something else and see which, which works better. It might be, you know, ads in your sidebar to affiliate products or it might be, you know, just these long form articles that rank on Google over time. You can then push advertising to. You've got to I think experiment not just with the product itself, but with the traffic sources. A lot of people think that um, you know Google traffic is the ultimate, but there are other options out there. And sometimes the Google traffic is in a really kind of um, I don't really like a fickle kind of mindset. You know, when I'm on Google, I generally am you know researching something really quickly, and I'll click the back button a lot, not necessarily go through everything. Not everybody's like that, but you know sometimes. Um, you know, for me anyway, on blog tiring, Google traffic is one of the worst sources of traffic that I've got. So it's it's important to experiment with other sources of traffic as well as the different affiliates and how you place them uh, in those long posts. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting to know that um, even even for you, I, I would have thought. Um, I mean, I just read. You know, I've been reading your blog now. I, I don't know. I want to say it's got to be at least over eight months, maybe to, even to as close to a year. Um, but oh, thanks, I would have. I, I've always thought for whatever reason, like I, I can't remember where I originally found your blog, if it was from someone else, but it might have been from something I was searching uh, on Google and it just seemed okay. like most of your content probably actually like was ranking really well. But that's interesting to know that your your main sources of traffic aren't coming from organic search. 
Oh, no, it is my main source of traffic. It's just not the best source of traffic. You know, like, uh, I'll give you an example. I've got this, if you type in About Us pages or Best About Us pages in oh, Google, right. I've got a blog that blog post that's the number one there. And that brings, you know, like two or 3,000 unique visitors a day to my blog. And most of them are pretty useless. You know, like there's a lot of back clicking. Um, people don't really go much deeper into the site. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's that kind of post where people are doing research, you know. So if they've typed in best about us pages in Google, they've probably seen three or four results that they like or, you know, they're clicking control with their mouse and just opening like five or six different windows. So the traffic quality is not great. It does bring a lot of visitors and some of them stick around. Some of them get pushed to an affiliate product that I've put in there. But by and large, I'd much rather have the equivalent number of visitors come from a guest post that I've done where people have already kind of encountered me or interested in, um, you know, my voice maybe or what I'm talking about as opposed to just kind of this randomness that Google seems to attract. Right, right. Yeah, no, no that's a really good point. And I remember when you wrote the blog post about, you know, getting like 9,000 some odd useless visitors or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think I commented and I said, uh, it was funny because I remember your comment. It, I said, uh, well, you should go check out Derek Halpern's example because, you know, here's how he uses his about page and how he has, like, his opt-in form three times. And I think yeah, you commented yeah. back and you were kind of like, oh, bloody Derek or something like that. I yeah, it's true. Derek is always doing it, doing it right. <laughs> yeah, he sort of, like, molded a lot of people with some of these things he's doing, like his feature box and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing a redesign now at the moment. We're just about to launch a new responsive theme and a bunch of new other things on Blog Tyrant. And he's, uh, his stuff does feature very heavily, although I wouldn't like to tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping to uh, interview him myself hopefully next year. He told me he's too busy right now. but. Oh, yeah, cool. He'll do it. He's a good guy. Yeah, I'm excited to have him on because I've been following him for a while too. But, yeah, he's um, a good interview. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this was something else, and I guess it kind of goes, you know, into the whole topic a little bit of, you know, knowing other people and connections is, um, you know, you talked a lot about in your course, uh, you know, that, it, you know, people will write these guest blog posts and they'll get the blog published and, you know, they don't really think too much about, like, the owner and having that connection with the, the owner of these blogs and how that's, you know, been powerful for you. You know, you gave an example where the owner of, um, I think it was ProBlogger, sent you, like, a message on Twitter and was like, you know, I love love it when you post on my site, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Darren from ProBlogger has been such a huge influence in my life. Like, I think ProBlogger was the blog where I first read an article about AdSense, you know, where people would click these ads and you could make money and it just absolutely <laughs> blew my mind. Um, but he's, I've worked for his, he was part of a blog network called B5 Media, which I was, um, I blogged for years and years and years ago uh, in uni. Um, and, you know, he's just around the corner in Melbourne. Uh, so he's always been like a really big inspiration. But I've never tried to cultivate that relationship with him um, as just a business one. I've always thought of him as kind of a mentor slash friend. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure he remembers me and knows who I am. We talk a little bit on Skype and, 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 yeah. and uh, email. But, yeah, he's just uh, those kind of relationships are just invaluable, not just for the fact that they give you guest posts, but because, like I say, they've been there and done it all before. And, you know, if you can cultivate that friendship, like I have with a few people um, who I consider like really quite good friends on the internet, like Pat from Smart Passive Income and Glenn from Viper Chill and Steve from Nerd Fitness, you know, like those guys will talk on email and if you need help, they're there to give it to you. And that's such an invaluable thing to have. But yes, it does open doors and it opens doors to other bloggers and other marketers and whatnot. But I think just having that support network there because, you know, being a blogger 
or you know an internet entrepreneur or whatever you call yourself you're quite isolated um, and it's yeah. not like you go out to networking drinks and things like that all the time so it's really good to have that sort of support network there yeah I mean have you found um, I, I guess uh, you know obviously you know I've uh, I've written some content on you know building connections and things like that but uh, you know in terms of like guest posting have you found that you know like say you know you blog with uh, you know one author have you found that they've like opened doors for you to to be able to get articles published on other blogs or bigger blogs that might, you know, if you were to just like pitch them, you know, they might, you know, be more apt to to let you in if you were being introduced from one of these other bigger name people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it works even even subtly. That works, and just just by sort of the fact that you can say you've been on Pro Blogger and Copy Blogger and all these different sites, that that is a really big door opener. But you know, like I think Glenn from Viper, you probably saw my stuff on. Um, smart passive income because he's really good friends with Pat, and I don't think that I would have been asked to write on Viper Chill if it wasn't for that sort of connection there. And I don't know if Pat would have given me the guest post if I hadn't, you know, tried to um, be friendly with him prior to that. So, you know, even absolutely they do open doors for you um, personally. There's a guy called Danny Inney from Firepole Marketing. Yep, I know Danny. He um, he reached out, uh, well, probably over a year ago now, um, to a bunch of internet entrepreneurs to do a book called Engagement from Scratch. Um, Guy Kawasaki and Brian Clark and a few other people and he asked me to be in that and that's been that was really cool because uh, you know all those people who featured in that book sort of um, have talked and you can sort of reach out and say oh we're in this book together and Danny's great like that at connecting people so yeah absolutely I think even if the guest post doesn't go well in terms of driving traffic to your site, it is at least an in to start talking to the to the owner of that site and making a, a building a relationship. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's really cool. Like I like how, you know, you were obviously able at one point to build a relationship with Danny and now he's coming back to you saying, hey, I'm working on this book. I'd love to have you, you know. Yeah, it was the other way around. Danny just reached out out of the blue and then, um, you know, because he did this great thing by, you know, putting us in this popular book. Now he's asking us for favors all the time. <laughs> he's <laughs> constantly trying to get stuff back. No, I'm just yeah. joking, Danny. It's all good. That's yeah, it's, good. Yeah. it's a good strategy. I've actually been speaking with with one of their editors about a, a guest blog on their site. Uh, oh, cool. Marketing. Cool. Yeah. So that that's it's kind of a, I got accepted to write the post. I just I've got to like reformat the whole thing because I kind of went off trail and it's just a whole mess and. Coming up with the time to write a lot of this stuff is really my challenge with a day job, whereas, you know, writing, like, good, good content, you know, takes a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge thing, and it's so important. I mean, when you get it right, the results are so phenomenal, though, so it is worthwhile, especially if they've got good editors. Um, I do a little bit of writing for lifehack.org uh, sometimes. They, you know, like, their editors are really good, and it gets reviewed, like, two times and I always hate getting my stuff reviewed. I always get really kind of furious. I think, you know, yeah. this is my style and whatnot, but you know, you do improve a lot. The great example for me was men with pens, James Chartrand, who we talked about before. I was trying to get a guest post on her site for so long and she rejected so many. It's the only person who's ever rejected my guest posts and I was getting really upset about it. And finally <laughs> I got one and it was, it was well worth it. I feel like my writing improved a lot because of her, but yeah, it is hard work. It is a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what was the next piece I wanted to ask about? I guess this kind of, I, I feel like we've maybe already like talked about it a little bit, but obviously like you, you know, you've built relationships with, relationships with some of these people like Pat and Glenn. Um, you know, how would you say that sort of like helped you in terms of blogging and 
guest blogging and anything to do with like you know your reach to you know building a bigger audience yeah so like i said i think reach is is like the most important thing for a blogger um derek talks about it a little bit uh i think he talked about it in an interview that i did with him a while ago that um you know bloggers there's this sort of famous blogging saying where you know you'd rather have a hundred loyal subscribers than ten thousand um, unloyal subscribers and Derek always says well why not have 10,000 loyal subscribers that's a better answer and I think he's totally right you know the amount of reach you have dictates the amount of influence you have and the amount of money you make and that's the whole purpose of Google is getting traffic and finding new readers um, so when you when you connect with these bloggers it's great like I said as a support network um, you know if, you, if you're stressed or if you advice about finding a a new coder or you're developing a plugin or whatever, they can hook you up with the right people. But also just like on a really day-to-day -day level, if you write an amazing post um, and ask them to tweet it out, they do it. And, you know, people like Pat Flynn have got 100,000-plus followers. And same with, um, uh, you know, Darren Rouse from ProBlogger. These guys, if you, you know, have done things that benefit them, uh, are usually more than happy to help you promote your stuff. And so it's a really great kind of, circle to be in because you know you help them and they help you um, and I think that's it's without that kind of without belonging to that kind of circle it's not like a circle like it's a secret circle or anything you know like every niche has those influential bloggers whether you're a fashion blogger or blogging about USB microphones there's always going to be somebody who's got that reach and connecting with them is just I think the most important thing for growing your own um, network and the amount of traffic that you can potentially reach because they've already tapped into so much of the niche of the market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's already like started to prove to me like as a, um, as a means for, um, you know, making profit with my blog. Um, I had someone follow me on Twitter using a program called tweet adder because yeah. I had keywords in my Twitter profile that would have allowed him to target me. He followed yeah. me and his profile, like just from that brief introduction looked engaging to me. You might know him. It's Tom Iro of leaving work behind. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Freelance writer. So uh, Tom, I ended up interviewing him like two months after following him. And then okay. he sent out an email about someone that was doing like free coaching consultations that he, he, you know, that he was connected with. So I did that free consultation, talked to them for an hour, um, someone by the name of Amanda Abella. They run a, you know, kind of a coaching like life consulting blog. And okay. um, then I ended up interviewing her. And then about a month later, she emails me and says, hey, I just found this gig over on the pro blogger job boards that might interest you. And I would have never been over there. I knew of the blog, but you know, I knew of that job board, but I never go, ever go over there. And um, I got a gig and now I get paid, you know, $400 for submitting one interview a month to a magazine. Yeah, that's perfect. It's a perfect example. And that's why the internet's so great, you know, like yeah. all these different niches and, and circles connecting like that. And it's, you know, like if you're helping somebody, they often will help you without even being asked for it. Like in your case, that was great. You know, yep. it is um, so important and I'll get that more as part of their business plan um, as, as sort of not just something that's extra to what they're doing, but as like the main part of what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, I know we've kind of like dived into this whole relationship thing a little bit. I wanted to kind of go back on track with the guest posting a little bit. Sure. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, like, you know, it, results people should expect when they get these guest blogs out there. I know that, you know, I think I watched a video from Pat once where he shows like this graph example where the, the traffic will, you know, you'll see a spike, it'll 
go down and it'll spike and it'll go down. And then you kind of like over time that those spikes will turn into, you know, you can build that up over time quite a bit. Um, you know, what would you say, like, you know, when you really started out, like, was there a point like from when you started out guest blogging and getting your, you know, getting your reach out there? Like, when did it really start to take off for you? Um, I guess that's difficult to say because I've been pretty sporadic with how I do it. I mean, I know people like Glenn in the old days and um, Danny Innie, when they first started out, they did like a phenomenal amount of guest posts. It was like every day you'd see them on a new website. Um, so they would have really experienced that kind of that effect. But for me, the way I do it has been, more, you know, partly because I'm a little bit lazy, but also because I'm trying to focus on different things. Is like I really kind of go after um, niches or topics with me. So if I'm selling, if I'm trying to sell a USB microphone off of my blog, I'll focus on building guest posts and advertising around that particular topic for a little while and do a flurry of guest posts. So I do see, um, you know, with pro blogger articles, for example, in the old days when I did a few of those, I did four or five really long form ones and they brought hundreds of email subscribers every time and a lot of traffic and they do um, still continually bring, you know, like Pat probably talked about that, it, it, it did level off. It doesn't always stay peaked or um, completely invisible. But, you know, as it does get ranking on Google quite well, they do um, continually bring new subscribers and new traffic. But I think, you know, in terms of reach, if you're, if you're talking about reach, it's important to not give up. And that's something I've been realizing a little bit lately is that I have in the last six or eight months, because Blog Tyrant's gotten so big, um, sort of just focused on that, but I really need to be tapping into new audiences all the time, and you can do that with advertising, SEO, or you know guest posts, really. So I've been buying a bit of advertising, but the guest posting engagement that you get is just so valuable. I think um, you know when I first started out, I tried to do three, three or four guest posts for every post that I wrote on my blog, and that ratio I think was about right, and I probably need to get back to it. Um, and I think, you know, if you can maintain that schedule of three guest posts for every post that you write on your blog, the traffic will just, you know, increase exponentially. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's probably a really good idea. So what would you say on that point? I mean, I know, um, you know, on your blog in particular, you know, you're not blogging every day. You're writing, you know, great content that you're putting out there, you know, maybe once every, I would say, what, like one or two weeks on average? Yeah, one or two weeks, yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're basically doing three to four blog posts, you know, on average a month, and then you'd go and write multiple blog posts to kind of link back to those and get those some, you know, those are basically your money posts in a way, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, like for Blog Tyrant, as Blog Tyrant is one of my, as one of my examples of a site that I, that I sort of own and use that strategy for. Um, not every post is an affiliate post, you know, like I published one about 20 minutes ago that's on about Fiverr. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's nothing in there that makes me any money. That's just a content post that I think people would be interested in. And you know, usually I'll mention an affiliate or do an affiliate-related post every probably three posts. Um, you know, it, it sort of depends on what niche you're in and how you tackle it, whether your readers are receptive to it or not. But I never really sort of explicitly just do like a review post of a microphone or a camera or anything like that. I've occasionally done that with things that people have requested like uh, blog hosting or uh, email software like Aweber or whatever. So, um, you know, when I when I do write those posts, uh, I try to make sure that they still provide value for people who 
don't use them. It's not just a review. And then, yeah, the guest posts that I do around those topics, again, are trying to build interest uh, in the topic generally. So I'm not just doing a guest post that is pushing USB microphones on some other microphone site. I'm trying to do a post that reaches a lot of people and generates sort of genuine interest so that if they do encounter my post, they're already in a kind of uh, uh, buy-ready kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense because obviously that's the ultimate goal is to, you know, if you want to make a little bit of extra money every month with your blog, then... <laughs> yeah, and it's important to have, like, you know, a variety of them. If you One of the things I constantly do is get stuck on one particular source of income. Uh, you know, if, if one particular post is making me a couple of hundred dollars a week, then I think, oh, this one is a really good thing to focus on. So I focus on that to the detriment of everything else. But the great thing about, you know, blogging and affiliate marketing, and Darren Rouse talks about this quite a lot, is that over time as you keep adding various streams, you know, that all does accumulate. Um, and it's something you've kind of got to stick at and have have ways. Something Chris Ducker actually um, from chrisducker.com taught me, he's really big on virtual assistants and outsourcing, is that, you really need to be doing less work yourself and start getting more people to help you be more exponential so that, you know, if you are only doing one post on your blog because that's sort of the way you do it, then at least you're doing infographics and videos and all these other kind of content elsewhere on the internet that are driving traffic back to your main money site so that you're not sort of stagnating. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's great advice. And I've seen some of his stuff too. I know Pat talks about uh, him all the time. I think he was on his podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's so funny, like, all the people you're mentioning, like, I, I follow all these people and I know who everybody is because I've been, you know, trying to, like, get really, you know, I've only been online marketing for about a year, but, um, you know, once you start following some of these people, it just kind of branches out and you see everyone's all connected. Yeah, it's funny. The Internet's a bit like that. Everybody gets in their own kind of little corner of it. But I think guys like, you know, Pat Flynn, Chris Ducker, um, Viper Chill, Copy Blogger, Pro Blogger, Everybody knows them. And it doesn't really matter kind of what niche you're in. They're the ones that everybody seems to follow because they consistently do provide so much value to their readers. They're re we're pretty lucky to have them around, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Definitely agree. But um, I, I had a few other questions about guest blogging, and then I figure we could probably um, you know, wrap things up shortly. But uh, the other things I sure. wanted to ask about is I know, obviously, you know, when you're, when you're putting a guest post out there, you know, you, you kind of have in some sense, depending on if they allow backlinks within the post, um, you know, you might have a limited window where you can really get that reach to get people to come back to you. You know, I even, I quickly, uh, like, for example, I looked on uh, Neil Patel's blog last week, and he had a guest blog by um, Jamie Tardy of Eventually, Eventual Millionaire. Okay. And I, like, quickly read the post and just, like, I don't know, I think I was, like, I was at work, so I was sort of, like, rushing and I wanted to, like, get a comment out there because it's kind of, you know, a neat tactic to drive a little bit of traffic if you're, like, one of the top ten comments, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I, but I wanted to make, like, a, val you know, so I made a valuable comment, but I was, like, oh, Neil, blah, 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 and then I didn't, I, I went back and, like, reread it later when I had more time and I was, like, oh, God, <laughs> I, just look, I look like an idiot now. <laughs> so, so I know that like you know you've got kind of that like limited space where you can really say you know this is a guest post or this is by who and who. I don't know if you have any like tips on like a byline. I know a lot of people keep it very very to a minimum. Yeah, I mean, I that's I, I I've thought about that a little bit since you mentioned that in the email, and it's a really good question. I probably haven't put enough thought into that, um, or as much thought into that as I should have in the old days with with. Um, 
the pro blogger guest posts and the copy blogger guest posts that I was doing, uh, I really wanted to just figure out a way to be distinctive. I thought that was the most important thing because there's so much noise in that uh, internet marketing space. And one of the things was that original post on uh, selling that blog for $20,000. You know, it's not a lot of money for eight months work, but it's something that a lot of people I think aspire to uh, for, you know, their own blogs and it sort of gives them some hope and it's not something you hear about a lot with blogging. So with my byline, I would always emphasize that, you know, Ramsey or at that time it was just the blog tyrant. The blog tyrant has sold blogs for $20,000 and that was the main, the main backlink. I'd pushed people with that post and that brought a lot of subscribers, especially because the posts that I were write, that I was writing on, uh, on uh, those specific guest posts, posts where that byline appeared was, you know, always about building up a blog or building up a valuable blog or an email list or selling a blog. And so that, you know, the traffic was already, you know, really ready to opt into my mailing list. Um, but yeah, I think now like one of the things that copy blogger probably started was giving people Google authorship on their, you know, when they do guest posts on copy blogger, you essentially become an author of copy blogger and you get that uh, authorship markup in the Google rankings. And, you know, that's probably the first thing that you'd have to make sure you do now is make sure you get, uh, make sure that the you know the the blog where you're doing the guest post allows you to to do that uh, because you know that is so valuable if you are intending on ranking that you know post in Google or helping it rank in Google a bit nicer to have your face in there and linking back to your Google Plus profile so you're getting that sort of added bit of reach. But the main thing I would main thing I would say, especially if you're not getting backlinks in the post itself, is just find a way to be distinctive. And then just make sure that the post that you're choosing, so the blog that you're choosing to post on, is always really niche specific. Don't pick blogs that are, uh, you know, that are really random or that have a really general kind of nature. Make sure you're writing articles on blogs that are specific about very specific topics, so that you know the traffic that does come through is really is really ready. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's great advice because obviously, you know, we want to. I know, like some of these blogs I've been on, and you know there's certain networks where you can go and you can find like places to guest blog. And it's like, I'm looking at the blogs and the, either they don't have traffic or it's just so general. Like, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. It's, it's almost like a waste of time, you know? Yeah. A lot of the blogs, I think, you know, in their quest to get heaps of content from guest bloggers have just really killed their blogs. You know, they used to be um, such sources of quality, but by adding so much content and so many different authors, they've really kind of diluted it. And I think, that's something that's really important to consider when you are looking for a place to guest blog because you don't want that at all. You want that um, reference, as it were. You know, like if you are appearing on Smart Passive Income, you know, you want Pat to endorse you. Um, that's more valuable than the links, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you have any tips on, um, you know, maybe like places to find that might be good for your niche? I know, like, uh, one of the popular sites is alltop.com. You can kind of like narrow down and find niches there. Uh, I don't know if there was any resources you might use to, you know, kind of like find blogs in your space. For me, it's all about Google. Like if I if I want to, you know, back to the USB microphones, if I'm trying to find a place to put a guest post that I want to rank for that term, then obviously I want it to be a blog or a website that is ranking well on Google because I want to kind of get their traffic, as it were. So for me, like I said, I start with the results. So what do I want them to do from this guest post? And if it's sign up to my email uh, my email list then what's my offer on my email list at the moment it's a 
ebook on how to increase your email subscription rate by over 120%. So I really want traffic that is going to be interested in growing a mailing list. So right. then it's about going on Google and searching for the kind of blogs that have traffic or posts, uh, you know, that are really um, niche narrow, niche specific to that topic. And you got to consider things like if, if let's say, um, you know, uh, I was going to get a guest post on nerd fitness and I know that nerd fitness from, you know, Steve Cam we were talking about before has this post about the paleolithic diet. So if I had a paleolithic affiliate that I wanted to promote, well, I know he's got the number one post on that. And if I do another post uh, on a paleo topic to promote my affiliate back on my blog, well, then I kind of know that at the end of his post, there's going to be a section on related articles. And so when those thousands and thousands of people get to the end of his post, they might see my post, which is on a similar topic, pop up there. So for me, it's all about like assessing how well they're performing on Google and then how well that traffic is going to convert for me. And I, yeah, I don't really actually use any other websites to find a place to, to post. Yeah, no, that's great uh, information. Um, I think that, that mostly wraps up my my, um, my my questions on guest blogging. I did have, and I feel like this is sort of like I'm going backwards. I probably should have asked this at the beginning, but um, I thought it'd be good to, for maybe some listeners to kind of hear about like some of the struggles you've had, you know, in building out these blogs and maybe going after you know, even guest blogging, like what are some of the biggest like like hurdles you've run into? Oh, that, man, they're never ending, never ending <laughs> hurdles. Um, like, yeah, that's important, I guess, is like it is a constant struggle, like blogging, even, you know, Pat from Smart Passive Income, he's he works as hard as anybody um, on that stuff. And so I think that's important to recognize that it's never really easy unless you, even the guys who've made you know, like huge money, like Zuckerberg and stuff like that, you know, they still work harder than probably any of us. Uh, yeah. And so that's important to recognize that there always is going to be a struggle. Uh, um, I'm still learning myself not to let it get me down when something doesn't go my way or if something bad happens, you know, your site crashes or whatever. It's not the end of the world. It's just the internet. You know, you can start yeah. again and you can get it. There's usually a way to get around it. Um, that's a big lesson to learn. But I guess the other one for probably, you know, new bloggers specifically is, you know, when I was first starting out my business and when I f first realized that I wanted to work full-time from the internet, I used to clean a gym in the morning. Um, I used to get up at 5.30 a.m. and go and clean this gym for four hours and then come home and work on my blogs for the rest of the day because I wanted to give myself enough money to sort of pay the rent and eat but not have a job that took up so much time that I couldn't work on the stuff that I thought was going to be my my long-term goal. So you've got to kind of find a way to balance that, you know, those difficult things of putting food on the table, but also giving yourself enough time to focus on what's really important. And that balance can be a bit of a struggle sometimes. Uh, but I guess it's important to really know what you want to do in the long term. And so have, you know, like that year goal, the year-long goal and the six-month goal. So you're not kind of getting overwhelmed by it all. Uh, that's That's been really important for me. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And I know, um, you know, the sacrifice thing even for me is big because I work kind of weird hours. Like, for example, in my day job, I work right now at 11 to 8 o'clock shift. And right, uh, right. I find myself up till like midnight, you know, and then I'll wake up at like 9 and I have maybe a couple hours in the morning. Sometimes I bring my girlfriend to work, so I'm technically going in at 10 and that's my whole day. So yeah, exactly. Either, uh, you know, I'll use like, say, for example, my lunch break to spend some time, like, you know, jotting notes into Evernote or writing an article or watching a video. Yeah, okay. And then, yeah. um, 
you know, if I have free time at work, usually after five o'clock, it's dead. All the managers are home. I'll work on my blog stuff. Yeah, so absolutely. Like finding all the time you can. And then, you know, even, even tonight I told, I came home and my girlfriend had dinner and it was like, you know, it's about 10 o'clock here now. And I know in, in your side of the world, it's what, like two o'clock or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in, I'm in Massachusetts in the U S and he's in Australia for those of you who don't know, but <laughs> But um, yeah, my girlfriend was like, "Oh, I didn't realize you had an interview tonight." And she went and got, you know, she wants to watch like The Walking Dead. And I was like, "Well, we'll start it." But I was like, I contacted this guy like four months ago, so he wins. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. I feel a little bit like a zombie. If that if that helps. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, so like I, I we like paused it, and I'm like, "Well, you're gonna have to wait for me." You know, we can't finish it right as all the attacks are happening in the show. It's really funny. <laughs> Uh, you've got a good girl. You've got a good girl. So she understands. That's what's good. You know. You know. It's just if I was up here, you know, playing Battlefield or something, that's where she'll get upset. Oh, I got to play some Battlefield after this, man. Battlefield yeah. Three. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'll have to get your uh, your tag. I knew you played because you mentioned it in your interview yeah, with absolutely. Steve and in your course. I like saw the icon on your desktop. I was like, oh, he plays Battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit too much sometimes. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I had. Uh, you know, we've covered a lot. Um, I did want to ask right, you know, for the listeners if um, maybe you could share a few of the guest blogs that uh, you know share some links so people could check those out. And yeah, and absolutely. Written. But yeah, hey, cool. thanks for having me. Man. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Thanks a lot for uh, coming on and uh, taking the time out of your uh, out of your day. Anytime. Thanks very much. Yep. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for checking out today's episode with Ramsey Taplin. Uh, this interview was actually one of the longest ones I've waited for. I have been following Ramsey's blog now for, oh, I don't know, probably close to a year. And I reached out to him back in July and he told me that he was going to be traveling. And I, I figured, you know, maybe uh, I'd wait it out and just uh, get back to him as soon as he was available. And he came back the beginning of November. I reached out and obviously he was glad to do the interview. You know, I kept in touch. Uh, this is actually also going to be uh, an interview that I wrote a very, very extensive blog post, um, still currently working on it. It's about 4,000 words, all based on the advice he gave me. And I also implemented some things that I've learned from a course that I purchased from Ramsey. Uh, the course is now closed. It's called Subscriber Special Ops. Uh, we briefly mentioned it in the interview. But um, the course is now closed. And Basically, it's all about guest blogging and kind of content strategy, things like that. And I sort of implement that into this post. Um, when I when you read this blog post, if you head over to voicesofmarketing.com slash episode 42, this, um, this blog post is actually going to be a little bit shorter. But what I did is I, I wrote a really in-depth article and I had it published as a guest blog over on Navid Moez's blog. He he's someone that I interviewed in episode I believe it was 32 or 33, I forget which, but um he also runs an interview show and he agreed to let me publish this as a guest blog over on his blog and it's also going to be featured in a magazine that I write for. So I'm pretty pumped about that. I was really excited about this interview. So uh you know, head over to voicesofmarketing.com/episode42 to check all that stuff out. Thanks.